it was a long winter here in southern Indiana, but finally we're seeing some signs of spring. With trees in bloom, flowers budding, and the grass getting greener, there's also a lot of work to be done outside. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, and today on Noon Edition, we're welcoming the change of seasons with our annual spring gardening show. We want to hear your questions about how to get a certain plant to grow, what products to use in your garden, or basic tips for your first garden. Our guests are local gardening experts Don Adamson and Helen May. Whether you have a green thumb or the kiss of death when it comes to planting and maintaining a garden, Don and Helen can help you through any planting dilemma. Stay tuned for all this and more after this hour's news. Production support comes from Smithville Communications, serving southern Indiana with fiber gigabit internet and digital IPTV. More information at smithville.net. And from IU School of Public Health Bloomington, addressing public health needs by preventing disease, promoting health, and improving quality of life across the state and around the world through research, teaching, and community engagement, offering undergraduate and advanced degrees, publichealth.indiana.edu. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael, and we're gonna uh, we're not gonna have any big preliminary. It's Spring Gardening Day here in Bloomington, <laughs> so we're gonna get right to our guests. We have Helen May from May's Greenhouse and Don Adamson from Bloomington Valley Nursery, longtime guests and supporters of the show. We're happy to have them here. If you have questions about gardening this spring, you can get your answers here today by calling eight five five zero eight one one. Or 877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington Calling Area. You can also join the live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. Don, Helen, welcome back to the Thank program. You. Thank you. Glad to have you here. It was a long, hard winter here in Bloomington and Monroe County. So that's how we have to start the show. What uh, what'd that do to all these plants and trees and what what what's it going to mean for the spring gardeners? Helen, why don't you start? Well, most of the stuff at my house looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. I don't really see any serious damage except what the deer did. And uh, I know that there's a lot of bad-looking boxwoods around over Bloomington. Mm-hmm. And um, there's probably some losses, especially people who have started planting Zone 6 plants that uh, uh, – they they say that we're warmer now, you know, but this winter proved it's a yeah, regular we winter. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Some things like wisteria that are always a little iffy around here. Is it just kind of a wait and see what happens as the weather warms up? Yeah, that's excuse me. That's the main thing is don't be too quick to throw these plants out because the ones that I have looked at uh, a lot of them have burn on them as results of the winter, but give them a sh- good shot of fertilizer, and I think you will find that most of them will come on back. So 
Don't don't be quick to get rid of them. Don't give up on them too soon. Right. And you know, Bob, we, we should probably go ahead and mention to our listeners, uh, he who hesitates is lost on gardening day. <laughs> right. So uh, if you do have a question that you want to ask, don't hesitate. Give us Go ahead and give us a call early. We tend to have back-to-back phone calls on this day. We have very popular guests in the studio. That's right. So those numbers again, 855-0811 in Bloomington, 1-877-285-9348. If you're outside of the Bloomington calling area, we'll take gardening calls from all over. Uh, you can also join us online if you're really far away, wfiu.org slash Noon Edition, or you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So the the weather is really nice today, and mm-hmm. the next couple of days are supposed to be nice. So what should people be doing out there? Well, they need to clean up the winter rack, the you know, the leaves that are blown in and so forth. They need to uh, be thinking about getting, if they haven't done it already, getting their lawnmower's blades sharpened up and... Uh, uh, and if they got pruning they haven't finished, they they should do that, winter pruning. Um, now, one other thing that uh, there's several different weeds that grow in the winter that need to be sprayed now. Chickweed and some of those are out there growing like mad mm-hmm. in your lawn. So uh, uh, you need – now – the the granular products will not kill those particular weeds, so you would need to use a, a weed killing spray to do that. But uh, uh, there are several different weeds that grow that are growing like mad right mm-hmm. now. And what, what's that sinewy vine uh, that grows? It doesn't have a just very simple leaves. Yeah. Ground ivy. Yeah. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> it's just tough, and you can, when you try to pull it, it's just as tough as it can be. And yeah, if it breaks up, it'll, well, the little roots will make new plants. <laughs> right. Don't, don't pull them. That's very important to not pull up the weeds. Like Helen said, the, 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 the roots will break off, and then you have many more plants. Oh, my gosh. So that's why it is important to use... A spray. Now. Like a Roundup, something along no, those lines? No, no, no. no, no. Uh-oh. Now I've done it. Now the Roundup will kill grass and all. If you're spraying in a lawn, uh, you need to use a, a weed, a broad-leafed weed killer. I know, uh, I forget the name of the one we have, but the, you, those weeds are particularly hard to kill. Who are you telling? <laughs> As I mentioned, uh, you have to use a spray to get those. The granular weed killer will not get them. Now, you can use Roundup in plant beds, Mm -hmm. but uh, do not use it in the lawn because it will kill your good grass, too. All right. We're going to go right to the phones. We have our first phone call. It's from Mary Catherine's hometown of Kokomo. So Ted from Kokomo is on the air. Ted? Afternoon, I guess it is. Hey, yeah, uh, thanks. Mm-hmm. I have, uh, I need to replace a maple tree that we lost, oh, maybe five years ago. Uh, I would like something reasonably fast growing. I'm in my 60s and I'd like to live to see it. Uh, I'd like something large, uh, something different than what I have. Uh, I have tuma poplars, a gazillion maples and uh, uh, a couple hickory. Uh, I was thinking maybe a sycamore. Uh, it's prone to wind, the area that I'm thinking of. So any suggestions? Well, a, a sycamore grows fast, but they're kind of a dirty tree. 
So. What do you mean by dirty? They they drop bark, and uh, the leaves are huge, and so they're they're kind of messy. Mm-hmm. Now, twigs too. Pardon. A lot of twigs. Twi- too. A lot of twigs, mm-hmm. right? Uh, one that I like, uh, and we're carrying now, is a sweet gum that does not have the seeds on it. Huh. So. Uh, that's uh that's sweet gum makes a beautiful tree they're a durable tree but the the seeds can get messy on just the the regular sweet gum but uh they're one of my favorites and they're fast growing and uh so in the in the shade type that's that's one of the better ones okay helen any ideas well, uh, I, I was just going to say I, I would have recommended an ash tree right. of some kind, <laughs> don't, but don't, don't do, do that, that now <laughs> because they grew fast and they were healthy. And uh, uh, with the beetles, uh, you just can't Because the ash, the ash borer is really moving into this area, and so we would not recommend planting an ash tree because they won't last. Okay, I'm a couple hours north of you. Are they, are they up here? Oh, yes, they're coming down from the north. Uh, you, okay. you got them first, Ted. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> All right. A little care package from, from Kokomo. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and, and, any other questions, Ted? Uh, would somebody like to come and help me work in the yard this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> um, Mary Catherine is raising her hand, yes. Yeah. No, no. Oh. Actually, she's not. I'm yeah. sorry. Darn. All right, radio oh, joke. No. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Ted. All right. We have our spring gardening show going on. Helen May is in the studio with us from May's Greenhouse. Don Adamson from Bloomington Valley Nursery. If you have any questions at all, please feel free to give us a call, 855-0811 in Bloomington or 877-285-9348 outside of the local area. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. We'll get to those questions or comments, or you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. Let's talk a little more about the winter effect on things, especially the things that we're kind of holding our breath on, not sure if they're going to come back or not. Um, should those be pruned? Would that help them at all or just, again, just sit Pat and wait and the see. The main thing I feel because the ones that were really affected are the uh, the holly mm-hmm. and a lot of the uh, the cypress and the cedars were burned particularly, but uh, that's just on the edges of the foliage, and we feel don't even trim them mm-hmm. if they have any branches that where the stems themselves are brown you might cut those out but you will find that most of the stems are still green and do not cut them okay just kind of wait uh, but the main thing get some fertilizer to them to help them push on new growth okay helen well i was just going to say that uh it's surprising how bad a thing can look and still break new buds later in the season mm-hmm. Uh, and you can always prune anything that's really dead out later, mm-hmm. uh, maybe when it's not quite so rushed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. We, ha- we have a question that's come in online about fertilizer. The question is, what's the best fertilizer for clay soil? Well, clay soil, the fertilizer doesn't make <clears throat> that much mm-hmm. difference in clay soil, but the fertilizer that you need to use at this time is a high nitrogen or a high first number. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's organics that are available as well as regular chemical fertilizer. But to make the plant grow, you need to use fertilizer with a high first number. Okay. 
Is that the nitrogen? Is yes. that first? Yeah, yes. nitrogen's first. Okay. Well, nitrogen tends not down, down does it? it tends not to last as long in the yeah. soil. Phosphorus may be there for years after you apply it, and you don't need to keep. Yes, you do, you need to use uh, some, but not yeah, a yeah. variety. But mm-hmm. nitrogen is the key thing at this point. Mm-hmm. Helen, what about so many people now have uh, beautiful window boxes on or around their homes? Um, what kind of special care do they need to take, especially for window boxes that um, you know uh, winter over and and then they tend to replant the same mm-hmm. window boxes over and over? Should they replace that soil periodically, even if they have some perennials in there, and transplant? Or what do you recommend there? Well, if they've had good success in past years, uh, they should certainly uh, not absolutely stick with the same dirt, <laughs> but mm-hmm. but uh, keep the same type of of material in there. Mm-hmm. If you haven't had success, be sure that you have uh, appropriate drainage that they don't get drowned. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to freshen up a soil, you can turn it out and add some uh, earthworm castings or some uh, compost, uh, a number of things like that. And you can use it again as long as the soil plants were healthy the previous year and weren't diseased. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if the perennials have been there a long time, but they're still doing very well, uh, you might just keep on doing what you've been doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I know some people have the uh, cocoa uh, mats that deteriorate mm-hmm. over time, and so, you know, you need to replace those at some point. Uh, yes. The For one thing, uh, if you're using them, say, to keep up, I used to have a long wood planter that that the water just ran through so fast, right. and I put a mat in the bottom to help hold moisture. But when it really rots, then it can kind of clog things up, too. Mm. So you want to check on it every couple of years and be see what condition it's in. Uh, yeah, another product I saw as far as regulating moisture, um, and I know you sell it, as the um, granules that you mix in with your potting soil, and then when you add water, they get they grow a lot. It's kind of cool, actually, fun to watch them. Um, and they get kind of gelatinous, and um, is, are those a good thing for window boxes that are hard to get to uh, for watering purposes? Well, actually... You can use them. Be sure not to overuse them. Uh, the first time I used them, the and the soil got wet. Everything puffed up and grew, fell out of the pot. <laughs> <laughs> if a little is good, a lot is better. Okay, yes. that may not be the rule with this. Okay, but it's not. Uh, it's not as great a water saver as you would think because the soil holds water too, and this mm. just replaces some of the soil and it holds uh-huh. water. So uh, try it in a small way and see if you like it and if you, the results are good. Okay. Okay, we've got some people who want to ask questions. We're going to go to, to uh, Dan from Twitter first. He says, do my sun, giant sunflowers need any special soil, or can I plant them directly in my front yard once they are big enough? Well, I've always found that sunflowers are not difficult to grow if the soil is fit to grow beans or, or tomatoes or something. Uh, uh, sunflowers will thrive. Mm-hmm. Uh, they uh, tend to make other things not thrive. Uh, now, you're talking about regular sunflowers, like sunflower seeds, mm-hmm. and not, not some of the perennial things. Right. Um, so you, you would have difficulty if, say, you wanted to plant sunflowers and plant something right around their feet because they won't um, 
do very well. Okay. All right. Thanks, Justin, from Twitter. And now I, or that was Dan from Twitter. Justin mm-hmm. from Terre Haute is on the phone. Justin? Hi. A um, couple years ago, uh, we planted a, uh, <clears throat> a Japanese maple in our front yard, and it was um, <clears throat> one of those uh, really bad summers. And despite our best attempts at keeping it watered, um, the the lower branches were able to stay alive, but the entire top part of the trees just it it has never come back. Uh, and the I mean, it's pretty clear it's dead. Um, my I, I've been very cautious before, you know, just lopping off the the, the top half of the the trunk, uh, the tree. But uh, how much can that be pruned back before you you risk well, killing off the whole thing? What you need to do is try to locate where the graft is on the trunk because that's the key part of the tree. And if it's if the part that's dead is everything above the graft. Now, the graft will be like a, a knot on the main trunk. And uh, you need to locate that. And if everything is dead above that, you may just have a, a wild green maple is all that you have left. So, uh, or if if some of the gra- if there's still some live wood above that graft, you need to prune off everything that's not alive at that point. Okay. But, okay, the, but that's the key to it: is locate where that knot on the the tr- trunk is. That's where the the fancy part of the tree is from there up. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well, I sure appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right, Justin. Thanks a lot for your call. If you want to join us on the program, uh, 855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 from outside of the Bloomington area. We've already heard from Kokomo and Terre Haute. Or you can join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition, or you can send us a question on Twitter at noon edition. So Mary from Bloomington is next. Mary? Um, we have a tree in our front yard that might be an ash tree, and I never got around last year to confirming whether it is. If it is an ash tree, is it too late to have it treated? And if not, how much does that cost? And how long is the treatment expected to last? Well, the treatment, about the only treatment that does well on, on the ash is the injection. And uh, the injections will lo- usually last from one to two years for the best injections. And uh, that's, so, you know, they're going to be there again in a couple years. You need to keep that in mind. It's uh, The very best is to treat it each year to make sure it doesn't get it. But the injection is the really the only thing that does any good with that. How much does that cost, Don? Uh, you would need to call our uh, guy that does that or, or go online to uh, to talk to him, I don't know. He prices all of it individually, but uh, we have a part that they call turf and tree med, and uh, and you can call. Well, the let's see the the internet that they have is under under Mother Nature Landscaping, or the phone number is. Three six one seven one two four, and uh, the uh, turf and tree med um, division would take care of that, and he can 
he can give you a price. I don't, really don't know how, how they Yeah. Well, in my experience, they come out and measure the tree itself. A lot of right. it's based on the height and circumference of the tree. And so it's very individualized, the cost of but that sort of treatment. It's very difficult to do a treatment <clears throat> like that. We have a product that's supposed to work that you can use uh, on the ground. But uh, my opinion, it doesn't work real well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Mary. Good luck with that. Okay, thank you. All right. Thanks you, a lot for the call. You know, nobody's talking about the good news about this very, very hard winter was it killed off some yucky critters that have been tormenting us for a couple of years. So, um, Don, am I right to assume that those of us with tulip poplar trees uh, can not expect a return of our nasty sap-dropping I'm creatures? Afraid they, I'm afraid they will be back. What? <laughs> no! I was yeah. promised that if we got a really cold winter, they were history. Because that's, that's a scale that causes that, and uh, I'm afraid they'll be back. Uh, this, this winter may have, I mean, last, last winter was so mild that they were present in great numbers mm-hmm. and did a lot of damage. This has been a more normal winter that will keep their numbers down a bit, but yeah. they're still, they're a thing that's been here for 50, 60, 100 years, right. you know. Um, if your trees are young and small and you want to, you can have a dormant spray applied to those right now mm-hmm. and uh, kill the scale that's on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, but a great big, huge tree, I, I don't know. Well, you can use uh, systemic. Oh, sure. I hadn't on, thought of that. On those. Mm-hmm. Those are much easier to kill than the ash borer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. The, stem, the systemic material that we have available will do a good job. I've, I've used it on the tulip poplar, even a large one, and it works very well. Let me ask you this. If you've had uh, the tree treated last year with good results, um, do you wait and see if you have symptoms this year or go ahead and I would retreat. treat it a second year to kind of get a cleanup. Mm-hmm. I was afraid you were going to say that, Don. <laughs> but if you treat two years in a row on this particular problem, uh, a lot of times you can skip a year. But I would do two years in a row. As I say, it's a it's a scale that causes the problem, and uh, but the systemic does a great job on that. Okay. I think thanks. somebody just told you that this winter, so you wouldn't be so grumpy. Yeah, it's possible. All right. <laughs> All right. We got a couple more phone calls we're going to get in before the break. So the first one is from Wayne in Bloomington. Wayne? Hi. I have a, an apple tree, uh, an early apple tree that bore beautifully. But uh, an, a large ash limb, talk about ash bugs, a, a large ash limb blew over and, and, and damaged it. It cracked the main portion of that tree so that there's only one side limb that still lives out from that from that beautiful um, early apple tree and what I'd wonder could I now take a main rootstock from that crippled old apple tree and and then wait until the the, the side branch that's still living on that apple tree take this take one of the branches that when as soon as it buds and and take a scion let me see the, the the root. In other words, I want to I want to take part of the root of that old apple tree, pull it up above the ground, and then take some buds or a a a, 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 a twig that has buds on it from the surviving limb of that apple tree. I'm on a graft it on, 
to, to my to my rootstock. Do, am I making myself clear? Do you, do you see what I want to do? I've heard of doing that. Myself, I've not been involved with any of that. I don't know if Helen has. Uh, you might want to to get a few library books and look through on grafting. Uh, the thing is, you don't want the uh, scion to be too far advanced in growth when you do now this. The scion you is, could, is the, is the, is, that's the twig <coughs> that you're going to put on. Uh-huh. Uh, the roots, uh, let me sort my mind out here. Just <laughs> uh, the scion, very often they will cut those and wrap them in peat or something and refrigerate them for a few weeks until the tree gets far enough along to do the grafting. Uh, that's why I say you should get a book and check because uh, you should cut your scions before they leaf out. Uh, but and then you will need something uh, to wrap it so that you the scion doesn't move on yes. the root. Uh, some uh, wax or some uh, rubber bands sometimes are used. You, you want the scion to have buds on it before before you try to graft, don't you? You don't want them to be opened at all. You want them to be uh, uh, in a halfway lively condition, but not advanced to the point of of having leafed out yes and 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 you just want to have about two or three of those buds uh, exposed uh, above the grass that's right you don't want to try to put too big a piece uh of, on the uh rootstock okay uh, th- thank you very much uh, all right wayne hey thanks a lot for the call we're gonna get one more caller in before we go on our break so robert is next robert hello hello robert go uh, ahead I have two problems. I have a, I live on the sand, and I have an overabundant supply of sand burrs. I have two different varieties, and I cannot get rid of any suggestion. Normally, a Roundup or a Roundup material would get rid of them, but you have to wait till they're growing and spray oh. spray them when they're growing fast. Yeah, they're in the yard and in the garden and you name it. They are there. But <laughs> with the Roundup spray, like I say, you want to wait till they're actively growing and, uh-huh. and then spray them with that. And the main thing with the Roundup or Roundup, glycosate Roundup type sprays is don't, uh-huh. don't get it on the foliage of flowers or vegetables or grass or uh-huh. anything you uh-huh. like. But that's the best way. But it's important that they're growing actively. Right. Yeah. Okay. And also, I have water worms in my garden. That's again because because you've got sand. Uh, They're worse in sand. Oh, I know. Uh, (laughs) They they love sweet potatoes. (laughs) Well, probably you should not grow sweet potatoes or potatoes or any other root crops for a year or so. May help. To control the number of the wire worms, in other words, rotate out and, and grow something else. Right. I, well, what I've been doing is moving my crop every year. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. Well, I'm not an expert on wire worms. I know they can be really bothersome. Yeah. Um, you might um, check with the the um, uh, extent, county extension office and see if they have any information to offer you on how to uh, get rid of those. It might be that 
getting more uh, organic material in the soil uh, yeah. might help, but I'm not going to tell you that's true because I'm not sure of it. Right. Okay. All right. Well, thanks so much. Okay, Robert. Thanks a lot for the call. Uh, we're talking about gardening with Helen May from May's Greenhouse and Don Adamson from Bloomington Valley Nursery. If you want to get in line to talk to these fine folks and these experts on gardening, please call us at 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. If you're outside of the Bloomington calling area, you can also join a live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. You're listening to noon edition on WFIU. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Communications. More information at smithville.net. And IU School of Public Health Bloomington. Online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiunews.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. All right. Welcome back to Noon Edition. We're talking gardening today. It's our our very popular spring gardening show with Helen May from May's Greenhouse and Don Adamson from Bloomington Valley Nursery. Please give us a call, 855-0811 in Bloomington, 1-877-285-9348 outside of the local area. Or you can join the live chat at wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. You can also follow us on Twitter. Somebody did send in a Twitter question <coughs> earlier today. At, we're at noon edition. So let's go to the phone. Pat from Terre Haute has been very patient. Pat? Yes, I have a couple of concerns. Uh, are you still there? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I had a noise that sounded like you'd hung up. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, um, regarding uh, bees, uh, honeybees, you know, uh, there's a terrible uh, loss of honeybees, and uh, science has pointed to the use of. Uh, the uh, pesticides that uh, we are using here in this part of the world um, that um, uh, the neonics uh, pesticides and um, you know uh, one out of every three bites of food we eat I understand are dependent on uh, the honeybees to pollinate and I'm wondering um, is uh, Roundup one of those uh, pesticides that... Uh, no. Uh, okay. Um, I was just wondering what we could safely use um, that wouldn't hurt the bees. I think Roundup would be perfectly all right. Uh, Roundup, when, it's, when it gets into the soil, uh, breaks down pretty fast, doesn't mm-hmm. it, Don? And, and the new one, they do have out a new one that has a, uh, a pre-emergent in it, but you can get it either way. The main thing 
get Roundup or glycosate, glycosate and but if you want to plant any plants in that area, make sure you you do not get the one that's got a pre-emergent in it. Now that now the Roundup is for weed control. That's not an insecticide. Okay. Well, I know that, uh, you know, they have banned, banned these in Europe and the uh, United Kingdom, uh, and I'm um, hoping that we're going to act quickly to try to save our bees. But I have another concern. Uh, I have a French, an old French lilac bush, and it has put out um, new growth uh, coming up where I can't let it grow. Can I dig those up and transplant them? Yes, if uh, as long as you can dig them with some roots on the stem, they mm-hmm. can they can be transplanted. And the sooner the better. It's an right. ideal time to do it. That's what I was thinking. Your yard's <laughs> going to smell fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but well, I'm I'm looking forward to doing that today or tomorrow. Then okay, all right. Thank you. Thanks, Pat. Thanks a lot for the call. We're going to go straight to Doug, and Doug is in Lions. Doug, well, good. Good afternoon. Thanks Hi. For, uh, thanks for having the program again. Doug, you um, may be our very first caller from Lions. Welcome. Oh, no. I used to work in radio. Yeah. I, you know. <laughs> uh, and this may cause a chuckle, but I have persimmon trees on my property, and every fall my dogs like to eat persimmons. <laughs> and seeds do not die. <laughs> okay, you know where I'm going with this. Yes. So you're getting more persimmon trees than you want. I, well, no, I have volunteers, and I'd like to transplant. But some of the the and some of these trees are about three and a half to four feet tall, rather closely spaced. <laughs> um, should I try to transplant and possibly kill two trees, or should I just? Cut one. Should I should I thin them? Well, you uh, you're better off to go ahead and thin them out. But it's still early enough that you could possibly transplant some successfully. Now okay. you're probably aware that with persimmon, there's male and female trees. Yes, I am. Okay, <laughs> so uh, that you can. We have plenty of both here. It's borderline on planting. If you're going to try to transplant it, you need to do it, as Helen said, right away, because we're borderline too late. Uh, March would have been better. Okay. Uh, Segwaying here. Um, when I tra- has anyone ever used root tone uh, for a purpose like this? I mean, to, to kind of give the, the plant a jolt. Well, I know uh, we have products that have rooting hormones in them. Uh, Rootone is is often used for grafts to get get them to put on new roots. But uh, I know we have root stim- what we call root stimulators. That's a good product to use when you transplant them. I know Mays has it also. Okay, Doug, well, can, can you treat? Yeah. Can you train your dogs to plant them a little further apart? <laughs> if I could train them to sit at my feet, that would be a, that would be a miracle in itself. Oh, okay, all right. Did you have another okay. question? I didn't mean to cut you off. Do you have another uh, question? Well, uh, let's see. And I'm you know down here in Lyons, I've got about six to eight inches of good soil, and then it's yellow clay. So if I do transplant. Should I get down into the clay? 
you might mix some clay with it so that they will get used to the clay, but uh, use some organic matter, but mix some clay with it is what I'd recommend. Okay. Well, I do have a compost pile, and I will take your advice, and we'll give her a shot, and I'll talk to you next year. All right, All right. We'll look forward to the update, Doug. Okay, right. that's covered. Thanks Th- a lot. Thanks for the call. We have uh, our phone numbers again, 855-0811 in Bloomington, 877-285-9348 from outside of the Bloomington area. You can also join the live chat, wfiu.org slash noon edition, as Angela did, and she's got a question. What is the best strategy for getting grass to grow in a shady yard? How do I prepare the grand- ground for seed? Forget the grass. I was just going to say, <laughs> buy mulch. <laughs> no. Even, honestly, even the best shade grass seed needs some sun. So if you're total shade, I would think about using some type of a vining ground cover like myrtle or pachysandra instead of grass. Because, like I say, even the best shade grass seed needs some sun. If you're getting some sun, just make sure you get a, a mix that has that is for shade. Okay. Okay. What does she need to do to prepare the soil? Well, make if it's a lawn area, a lot of people have difficulty seeding at this time of year. Uh, a month ago would would have been a better time to seed because most people apply a crabgrass pre-emergent to their lawns. And that would mess up the new seed as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you seed now, make sure you do not put down a crabgrass pre-emergent on it until the uh, seed is up and mowed. All right. We we had Jean on the line, but she's gone now. If we didn't get your question answered, Jean, you can give us a call back. Uh, but we also have Roy now from Stanford. Roy? Hi. How are you today? Hey, we're good. Uh, I have heard that if you take human hair clippings and spread it around your garden that the deer will not go near. Is that true? It may help for a while, but they will get used to it. I see. Um, If they get hungry, they're going to find something to eat. Right. So it would would behoove me to find a good friend that's a barber. Yes. (laughs) You, You could try that for a while, and then you may have to switch off to something else. Now, I used bars of rather smelly Irish spring soap for just, a few years and just tied them, put them on a stick and just tie, set them around my lily flowers that I didn't want eaten. And they worked pretty well. But then uh, they kind of got used to that after a few months, too. So, so soap. And is there any other, any other deterrence that you are aware of? I have a sister who uses perfume. Um, Deer very often avoid plants like sage and mint that are very aromatic. And my sister, again, uh, puts a little wad of cloth on the end of a stick, douses it with perfume, and sticks it around the garden. You have to redo that about every week, two weeks, something like. Oh, okay. She goes to yard sales and buys the cheapest she can find. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, it's worth a try. All right, Roy. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Roy. Now, haven't I heard, like, you know, coyote urine or something like that? Isn't that a something? Yeah, the downside of that is it runs the humans out of the garden, too. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there are are several preparations made to – for – 
running them off and like Helen said they work for a while but then they get used to it you need to change to different uh, different products from time to time all right well let's go to Ken from Bloomington Ken this is Jim not Jim oh hi <laughs> sorry hi. Uh, well my question is about uh, Johnson grass uh, I have uh, Johnson grass growing in some of my uh, fields and garden and these were planted there by plows and other farm implements. Now, my question is, can I get rid of that by keeping it mowed down so it doesn't ever go to feed, or do we have to put more rankle? No, it's it spreads by roots. So yes, I know. <laughs> it, it is important to, to use a spray, uh, a, a glycosate spray, again, put on it in the spring, when it first comes up and has a lot of good lush growth, but uh, the more you the more you cultivate it, the more you spread it. So the spray is the only thing that will do any good for it. Okay, so mowing mowing won't have any effect on it. No, it'll keep it short. <laughs> it'll, it'll look right. Yeah, it'll look better, but the roots keep on growing, and the spray, those glyphosate sprays, will transfer to the roots as well. Okay, so I've tried Roundup on it. That doesn't seem to do a whole lot of good on it. it now, are you using it when it's actively growing? Yes, because that's that's the important thing. And also, I would mix it a little stronger than is recommend. Okay, so it's a Roundup, or what was the other one you said? Well, glycosate is the active ingredient in Roundup, so it's the same thing, basically. All right, well, thank you very much. Appreciate it. All right, thanks for the call. We have about uh, 12 minutes to go in the program. This is going to be a perfect gardening weekend, so if you have any questions, now's the time to get them in. You can call 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. And once again, answering your questions will be Helen May from Mays Greenhouse and Don Adamson from Bloomington Valley Nursery. So we have uh, Don from Trafalgar who's on the line. Don? Hello? Hey, Don. Don. Go ahead. Hey, I hope you can help me out, but do you have any idea what I can do about the massive horde of box elder bugs that has invaded my entire house this year. I mean, they're upstairs, downstairs, living room, bathroom, kitchen, cabinets, cupboards. They're everywhere. They can be a, a, a real problem. They um, are. In the autumn, late summer... They begin to accumulate very often on the sides of buildings, looking for a place to get in to hibernate. Uh, keep your eye open for that sort of, of an, an infestation on the outside, and then you can spray with a good potent uh, insecticide, and that will help you a little bit. But if you get them seriously in the house, you may have to call an exterminator. Oh, that's what I figured. More expense. <laughs> well, they will they will go away with the warm weather if you can open windows and things before flies and mosquitoes get to be a problem and give them a chance to escape. Exit. Yeah, it's the same with the darned uh, uh, ladybug beetles mm-hmm. that get in people's houses. Yeah, uh, this years I've noticed them like uh, on my outside 
siding and mm. stuff. Yes, mm-hmm. that's the time guess, to kill them if you can. I guess this winter was so cold, somehow they found their way indoors. Uh, another thing you can do is take some caulking and cracks around windows and places like that. Seal those up in the su- late summer so that uh, the bugs can't get in. Okay, I guess I was hoping there was some kind of magic way I could make them all go away. <laughs> well, you might say Shazam, but I don't think it'll work. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Don, we appreciate the call. Okay, all right. thanks. All right, thanks a lot. Uh, we have a live chat question. Alice uh, has a problem. Her creeping flocks isn't creeping. What can she do about it to encourage the flocks to spread? She says that it's actually shrinking each year. Not, must not be very happy. Is it in a sunny place? This is online. I don't know. Yeah, okay. don't know. If it's in a sunny place, is that? Yeah, flocks need mm-hmm. sun to do well, mm-hmm. and, and it does respond well to a fertilizer. So, uh, but it needs sun is the main thing. If it's in shade, it's not going to do well. And it's not good in a wet place. If if there's good drainage, you know, if it's at the top of the wall or at a slanted bed or uh-huh. something, it'll do better. Rabbits eat it, I've discovered. And deer <laughs> eat it, I've discovered. Uh, do not use uh, uh, pre-emerge uh, weed killers on it. Uh-huh. Uh, I've discovered that that will really cook it, mm-hmm. burn it up. Um, Sounds like you've tried a lot of things with the flocks. Well, flocks will, mm-hmm. under good circumstances, spread quite rapidly mm-hmm. and make beautiful displays. Mm-hmm. But um, too wet a soil is a problem. Mm-hmm. Too much shade is a problem. Um, and, uh, as again, the chemicals that you put down as a pre-emerge weed killer don't get those on your mm-hmm. Okay, well, we're going to go back to the phones now, and Pep is on the line. Pep? Hello. Hey, Pep. Go ahead. Hey. Uh, well, hello, uh, Valiant Gardeners. I would like to transplant a redbud, a young redbud. Uh, what would be the best time to do it? Is this a good time? or should well, I we're, we're past the best time, but uh, there, there would be some risk involved. At right now, but if you if you did it soon, and if you could get it with some soil left on the roots, why uh, it would still probably make it. But if you're gonna, if you're going to try it, do it as soon as possible. Because what's his second best time? Fall. Exactly. Yes. Wait till the leaves are off in the fall. That's what I do, Pep. Um, <clears throat> so after the leaves are off and before a, a frost. No, so frozen, I guess. no. I, even after the, it would be after the frost in the fall. I see. But that would be that would be the safest thing to wait. The safest would be after the leaves are have fallen off in the fall. That is correct. Okay. All right. All I'll right. I'll probably wait till then. Hey, thanks for calling. Good luck. All right. Thank you very much. All right. We have Ken from Bloomington. Ken. Hello. Hey. Uh, go ahead. My neighbor has soya grass or whatever stuff that. Stays brown in the, in the spring and goes brown in, in the fall. Yes. And it has spread into my yard and taken over half. And it, of course, it stopped at the sidewalk because it it does, you know, it, it grows by root expansion. So now my yard's half soya grass, half regular grass. What can I do to kill the soya grass? Well, 
the the roundup materials we've been talking about will kill it, but you've got to wait till it gets green. Okay. And uh, but then, but then, but the neighbor's grass will invade again, won't it? Well, yes, you would need to to uh, install some kind of a divider or something like that, and the roots go fairly deep on the zoysia grass also. But uh, you would need some kind of a divider uh, that goes like six or eight inches down to uh, to keep it out at all. Oh, okay. Now you got your work cut out for you on that, Ken. Maybe I ought to sue him or something. <laughs> <laughs> we, we give no legal advice here. I'm sorry. Now, after it's sprayed... Uh, if you're going to seed other grass, you need to take a, a spade and remove that sod. But uh, like I say, wait till it it greens up real good before you spray it, and then spray it with the the Roundup, and that will kill it. But uh, if if you don't remove it, it'll come back. Hey Ken, I got a good idea. You can get back at them. You go in your yard and plant some bamboo. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, don't take our advice on this. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Catherine, we're going to get sued. <laughs> oh, okay, but I do have to dig up the sod even after I kill you with, kill it with Roundup. Right, and, uh, and make sure you use the Roundup that does not have a pre-emergent control yeah. in it. Oh, okay. And I think after you pull up the sod, then you beat it with a stick just to be sure you got it. Yeah. Yeah. You, do, you do need to loosen it up, so she's right there. It won't jump across the, side, the sidewalk to the house. Honey. No, that's it's not. Li- there, but that's it. That's, that's pretty well it. Well, I may have to live with a half and half lawn. Yeah. Maybe, or you could, you could always, uh, you know, kill the other half and just point. You know, plant the zoysia grass there. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't like it. Okay, no, neither does Helen. She's, she's... Yeah, okay, well, I guess I'll have to live with it. No, all, all right. right. Well, thanks. Hey, thanks a lot for the Bye. call. All right. Uh, 855-0811-877-285-9348 or the live chat, org slash noon edition. We have about five more minutes, and Donald from Nashville is on the line. Donald? Hello. Hello, Donald. Hello. Go right ahead. Okay. The problem I have is I lost three uh, beautiful uh, tulip trees, and one of them must have been oh at least at least four foot in diameter. I, I, I lost them last year. Do you know what would have caused them? I've, I've been seeing a lot of dead tulip, and I really don't. I haven't heard of a specific problem that's affecting them. And the the scale we talked about earlier would not kill the trees. So I was wondering maybe if the the lack of rain at one point. Mm-hmm. That would be possible because tulip have a very poor root system. Right. Okay. And, and so that would be a, a real possibility. Like I say, I've not heard of any uh, disease or any infectious bugs like we have with the ash uh, that are affecting tulip at all. Two of them were only like 20 foot tall, but the other one was actually 100 foot tall. It was Aww. a beautiful hole. Oh, oh, my it's, gosh. It's and it was in the REMC. But probably that, that dry year that we had, they didn't get enough moisture because they do have a poor root system. Okay, thank you. All right, Donald. Mary Catherine, the last two minutes of yours. Well, I bring in a question from my neighbor, Jane. She uh, had has in the uh, past had very good experiences with 
planting moonflower from seed, um, and then no luck. So uh, what can she do to increase her chances for a bountiful moonflower crop? Does she save her own seed or does she buy seed? Um, buys. All right. She may just got some bad seed. Mm. Uh Moonflower is like morning glory. It's a little difficult to get it to first germinate because it's in such a hard case. Nick it a little bit? You, you could lay it on uh, some surface that didn't matter <laughs> and get a piece of sandpaper and scrub it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could soak it overnight before you sow it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, you could do both those things. Uh, my sister used to sow seed at the greenhouse for us, and that's what she would... Uh, Scrape it and then uh, soak soak it overnight Mm -hmm. before Mm -hmm. she put it in the ground, yeah. Any specific, just a nice, uh, well-drained, rich soil, anything specific? Any halfway decent garden soil will grow morning glories, yes. Uh They're not fussy about, uh, they like sun, they don't want to be in a dark shaded area. Mm -hmm. But uh, to get them to germinate, if you've got halfway decent soil and wait till the soil is warm enough... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you can start them inside if you want to. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. All right. We're out of time. Don, I know we didn't even get to mulch questions. I know <laughs> you're always talking about not mulching too close to the tree, right? Right. Okay. All right. Well, I want to thank you. It's always a pleasure having Helen May and Don Adamson here with us. For producer Claire McInerney, engineer Mike Pashkash, and Mary Catherine Carmichael, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. You can find podcasts of this and other WFIU programs at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville Communications, serving southern Indiana with fiber gigabit internet and digital IPTV. More information at smithville.net. And from IU School of Public Health Bloomington. Addressing public health needs by preventing disease, promoting health, and improving quality of life across the state and around the world through research, teaching, and community engagement. Offering undergraduate and advanced degrees. publichealth.indiana.edu.